The United Soccer Coaches is proud to present the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. That's right, the NSCAA is now the United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free, no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join today. We unite coaches at every level of the game around the passion of the game. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky. Delighted to be with you for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. And tonight, we put the spotlight straight on the United Soccer Coaches Convention coming up in January in Philadelphia throughout our coverage here on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. We will sprinkle in key presenters as we always do, and we get things rolling with that today. Hank Steinbrecher, the 10-year Secretary General for U.S. Soccer from 1990 to 2000. Do you realize how much happened in that 10-year span? The man won the Werner Fricker Award. He's the United Soccer Coaches Honor Award winner, and he's also a U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer. He's a legend. He's an icon, and he's still has endless energy to boot. He is indeed a presenter at this year's convention. He will motivate anyone, anyone. I'm telling you, he's that kind of special speaker. You'll not want to miss him at the convention, and I think you will enjoy my interview with him, including his time at Gatorade, where Hank Steinbrecher was right in the middle of the original coach's dump of Gatorade. You'll love that story, starting with the New York Giants right through the Super Bowl. Also, another look at our fantastic members of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30. This time, it's Alex Hargrove, who is the head coach at Salisbury College in Salisbury, Maryland. That's D3 men. Hank Steinbrecher, Alex Hargrove, and it all starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com united. Once again, here's your host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and this is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. And if you know me, you know I have big energy, but I have big, big energy when I have big, big, big time guests. And for me, when you think about the legacy players of U.S. soccer, there may not be a bigger guest than Hank Steinbrecher, the 10-year Secretary General of U.S. Soccer, one of only two people to receive the prestigious Werner Fricker Award to be inducted in the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame and to also receive the United Soccer Coaches Honor Award. He's now in 12 Hall of Fames, and trust me, that number is going to continue to grow. Don't forget the U.S. Adult Soccer Association. They play for the Hank Steinbrecher Cup, and that barely tells the story of this man who, when you hear his voice, and you're going to hear it in a second, you'll believe that he could do it all over again and keep going as he's hanging out (laughs) in Tucson, Arizona. Hank Steinbrecher, our featured guest today. Hank, thanks for being with us. Uh, Dean, it's always great to uh, recontact with you. Well, I'm loving I remember it. Our day, I remember our days together at U.S. Soccer with great fondness. 
Well, I, I know you do, especially the donut story, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good lesson in management. <laughs> Indeed, and maybe we'll tie that you, in later. You want to steer your staff. You don't want to destroy them. Well said, Hank, and you always did such a great job with that. My first boss out of college and one that uh, I will always hold fondly in my heart. And here's the thing. We are now going to pretty much every other week have a featured presenter for the 2017 United Soccer Coaches Convention. We'll get to your thoughts on that name change. And the first one is Hank Steinbrecher. So you are presenting at the convention. And I wanted to first talk about that and then go down memory lane as well during your 10 years as Secretary General and some of the other great things you did. But uh, you're presenting, Hank, and you're one of the best motivational speakers out there as well. Talk about your topic and what you're going to cover so people know it's a can't miss and we're going to pack that room, pack that hall, pack wherever you're going to be. Well, I have three partners or two other partners. There are three in our group that are presenting. Joe Cummings, who everyone knows is uh, uh, the commissioner of the Women's League and uh, the president of the, or CEO of the the old NSCAA. And Tom Meredith, who was really like a right-hand man for to me for all game management leading up through, to and through the World Cup, both in 94 and 1999 for the women. And we're going to present uh, the topic is for country and club and unusual circumstances that uh, we encountered and how we handled it uh, with the overriding goal of saying that uh, managing a soccer club or, or a national team is a lot more than X's and O's. What is it a lot more about, Hank? Because uh, I know you tell that story so well. Interna- exchange of international cultures. It's uh, understanding the, the culture that we were existing in within FIFA, uh, which was a difficult one to navigate. And we'll tell real stories. We'll leave the names out to protect the innocent and to protect us. And, uh, but we'll give you circumstances that have occurred and uh, how those were handled. Well, you've done a lot uh, over the years with the then-named NSCAA and now named United Soccer Coaches. It seems like you're always involved. It's usually a can't-miss health permitting that uh, you're there as well, Hank. And so when they called you to be involved again, what was uh, your reaction? I'm always uh, up for being involved with our game. I love the game. I love the people of the game. So I'm, I'm always up, and it's been a great source of energy and uh, life fulfillment for me. I know the majority of the people at the United Soccer Coaches, uh, Lynn and I had many discussions before she became the uh, CEO, as I did with Joe. And uh, I always raised the point that I thought that the NFCAA had a very narrow scope uh, and that uh, just the name alone, the National Soccer Coaches Association of America, was not only redundant, but it left out the whole rest of the world. And I thought that you could experience exponential growth if you opened up your market and did, for instance, a con- convention in other countries of the world. Uh, it's something that, as a soccer nation, we could export export easily 
and and help uh, gender recognition of uh, of our game here. All right, well, let's go down memory lane as well. Ten years as the Secretary General at U.S. Soccer, this after incredible success at Gatorade and Quaker Oats, I believe. And in fact, uh, you know, in fact, one, one thing, let's do this first, though, Hank. Tell the story about the Gatorade dump on the coaches because, <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing, Hank. You have to tell it for us. Well, I was part of a, uh, an exceptional team at, at Quaker Oats Company managing the Gatorade brand. And uh, we had a stroke of, uh, of great luck. When you fir- first take over the position and we had a new product on the, on the market, the, the question was how do you position that product? There were some within the company who wanted to uh, say it was like Pedialyte and market it through medical channels. <clears throat> and there were a number of us who said, no, we should do this through sport channels. And we developed the sports marketing department. We had to think of, okay, who makes the purchase of our product? And it's not the team owner, it's not the coach, it's the athletic trainer. So we became the first corporate sponsor of the NATA, the National Athletic Trainer Society. We would have a program that would take trainers out to dinner rather than presidents and, and, and stars and quarterbacks and all these kinds of people. We took trainers out every time they came to the city of Chicago. Or if we were at a game, let's say, in New York, we'd take the training staff of the Giants or the Jets out. And one night, we had a dinner for the training staff of the Giants. Ronnie Barnes is, was the, uh, the trainer, head trainer. And Ronnie said, uh, you guys have been great to the trainers. You're the first corporate sponsor. What can we do? Uh, and we said, well, funny you should ask that question, Ronnie, because when a quarterback comes off the field, we want you to put a cup of Gatorade in his hand. We're going to send you towels and buckets and all sorts of other things. Put them on the sidelines. And however you can uh, gain more positive publicity for the product, do so. So uh, the next week, Ronnie Barnes hands Harry Carson a bucket of Gatorade and says, go dunk the coach. Mm. And uh, he did so, and it was funny and it was nice publicity for uh, for Quaker Oats and for Gatorade. Uh, next week, dunk the coach. <laughs> next week, dunk the coach. <laughs> next week, dunk the coach. And every win, they would dunk the coach. Uh, it started now getting into the playoffs. And the question always was, well, will they dunk the coach? So at Quaker Oats, we got a call from Harry's agent. And Harry's agent said, you guys uh, are making a ton of money off of my client, and he's not making anything. (laughs) So he's not going to do this anymore unless you sign him to a personal services contract. And my boss, Bill Schmidt, who I give all credit for this, uh, said, well, we don't do direct endorsements. Mind you, he went on to sign Michael Jordan for one of the biggest (laughs) contracts ever. But we don't do, we don't give personal endorsements. We we like implied endorsements, so we don't sign any athlete. It's too dangerous a business. And if Harry wants to stop, he should stop. Next week, dunk the coach. <laughs> Next week, dunk the coach. Now we're in going into the Super Bowl. And this is Bill Parcells, by the way, right? Bill Parcells. Yeah, go ahead, Hank. And, and you've got John Madden drawing diagrams on the television of where the the. The Gatorade jug is going. (laughs) 
So right before the Super Bowl, we get a call from Parcells' agent. You guys are making a lot of money, and my client's <laughs> not making anything. He's not going to let the team do this unless you guys sign him to a personal services contract. Well, now we're in a pickle. All right, it's a Super Bowl. Everybody's expecting it. John Madden is waiting for it to happen. And uh, Bill Schmidt says we can't change. Uh, that we're, we're not going to give him any money and we're not going to sign him to a personal services contract. And if he wants to stop the team from doing it, stop the team from doing it. Now, we were really rolling the dice here, but we were both athletes. <laughs> and after winning constantly, doing the same thing, do you change your socks? <laughs> right? Keep those socks so athletes on. athletes are highly, highly superstitious people. And we took a gamble in saying, well, he's going to do it again. So right before the Super Bowl, we're telling both of them we're not going to sign into a contract. We're telling their agents. And the speculation is the agents aren't even going back to the athletes and telling them this story. They're just on the hunt for some more money. So we went over to Brooks Brothers under Bill's suggestion, went over Brooks Brothers, and we bought two $10,000 gift certificates. One for Harry Carson and one for Bill Parcells. We put them in a gold box, FedExed them out with a letter to Bill. Dear Coach, we at Gatorade feel responsible for your lousy wardrobe. We hope this helps. Wow. And for Harry, you know, he dressed up like uh, in a trench coat uh, the last time he did the dunk and then trying to hide from Parcells, who is now looking for the dunk. So he was incognito. Uh, so he said, uh, your Inspector Cousseau outfit needs a lot of work. We hope this helps. We got a call from both the guys saying, you guys are brilliant. My agent's not getting the smell of <laughs> Oh, man, who doesn't love that story, Hank? And you said it so well. Thanks for sharing it, because here's the deal. is setting up for your time as Secretary General. I mean, you, you're killing it, right? I mean, you're at Quaker Oats, and you could have rolled that thing all the way home, right? What made the pull of U.S. soccer for you to, to leave Quaker Oats and join U.S. soccer as the Secretary General? Well, it was one of those decisions in life that you sit back and you say, well, Turtle doesn't go forward till his head's out of the shell. And and I was just being promoted at Quaker Oats again. And the stock portfolio was really starting to add up. But I had a destiny. I was uh, a soccer player. Uh, I got my first player pass at 10 years old. I was a coach at university level. I was a college player, won a national championship. Uh, so soccer was a major thread throughout my entire life. Uh, and when you have an opportunity to stand up and hopefully try to make a difference, you, you do it. And you don't, at least for me, you don't take that safe out and say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to stay where I am and sit on the sideline and criticize people. Uh, so I decided, no, you got you to gotta go for it. So we had a family meeting. I had two children, my wife, and we all agreed, this is what I have to do. I don't have a choice. So thank God for Alan Rothenberg, who brought me on board, uh, and it was uh, a, a great run. 
Well, an incredible run indeed as uh, several Olympics, gold medal in the Olympics for the women in 96, the World Cup before that uh, with the crazy one, Bora Militinovic, and getting to the second round for the first time, which was pretty amazing. The situation as well with the U.S. women and their pay. You were right in the middle of that. I want you to talk a little bit about that. When you when you think about it, Hank, I don't know how you're going to do this, but in the 10 years, I just said some of them. Your three greatest memories and a couple of your greatest challenges during that time, Hank, if you could. Yeah, well, I would say that it was a, a journey and not specific mountains to climb, but a, a journey over many mountains. Uh, most rewarding was the USA win over Colombia in the 94 World Cup. Because if you recall, and you will recall because you worked hard doing this, we had to create a professional team without a professional league. And no one knew whether this would work. And, you know, we had a very poor performance uh, in 1990. So how do you create a professional league a professional team without a professional league, put them all under contract, get the money to do that, and take them on a tour. Kobe Jones has like hundreds and hundreds of international caps. It's because he was playing a, like a regular season for the national team. Yep. And that game against Columbia uh, gave validity to the things we were doing. That, okay, you're, you're on the right road. Because ultimately, you're, you're judged by your record and whether the, the sport is growing or not. Second was the Women's World Cup. And that was a cup that justified the odds. FIFA wanted that, that cup to be played in small stadiums, high school stadiums in New England. And I remember the meeting clearly in Zurich with Alan Rothenberg, Marla Messing, myself, and the FIFA staff, including uh, Sepp Blatter, where we said, no, we're going to hold this in the biggest stadiums in the United States and we're going to fill them. And they said, you can't do that. We're going to be, we'll go broke. We're concerned with losing money. And Alan Rothenberg stood up and said, this is the right thing to do. We're going to do the right thing. And if you're worried about the expenses, we'll eat the expenses as long as we get the profits. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my goodness. And history was made. Oh, I mean, so And in front of 90,000 people, USA wins a World Cup. uh, And that was... My son tells the story. I, I was standing after the penalty when the penalty was taken, and I collapsed to my knees. It was just such an overwhelming, and this is in the Tribune of Honor. You know, you just don't do those things. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> so, of course you did. And, and, the, and the other source of pride is while I had very little to do with it, I was in the middle of most of it, was the creation of the MLS, which is another, an, another unbelievable legacy that Alan Rothenberg has left. Yeah, it's, boy, bigger and stronger and more amazing than ever, including the, this past week in Atlanta. When you saw that, uh, knowing everything you've accomplished, that had to have been almost a knee dropper as well, Hank. Pretty amazing. Yeah, Dino, I mean, you, you know, back in the, the early days, we were supposed to start a league in 94 in conjunction with the, with the World Cup, but we believed it could never succeed that early. 
uh, and that the chances, the probabilities of success, I remember Sunil doing his probability study of creating a league and making it a success was about 30%. Uh, and look at it today. I mean, it's just Don Garber has done an unbelievable job. Unbelievable job. But I also have to add quickly that uh, I believe that Alan Rothenberg does not get the credit that he deserves. Yeah, well said. Alan Rothenberg, amazing, amazing job. In fact, uh, you think about, uh, it's funny because when you think about Alan Rothenberg, you immediately think about you, Hank, to be honest. Rothenberg and Steinbrecher, it's a you know fantastic law firm as well. Um, with that, as you think about it, I mean, just incredible. <laughs> I, I only wish you were a law firm. <laughs> um, well, you've done pretty well for yourself. What about, uh, real quickly before we move on, the, the challenges during that time? Because we did mention the potential strike with the U.S. women and dealing with that, and there's always that sort of, you you know, issue of uh, quality and uh, what's your take the on cha- the, the challenges usually show up where you take the greatest hits. Uh, and, and I'd say that I took a pretty big and significant hit with the hiring of Bora Militinovich. Uh, rem- remember, I was an A-licensed coach and an American coach. And Bobby Gansler was an American coach of our World Cup team. And we made the decision to go in a different direction. And from a lot of my my buddies in the coaching community, I took a pretty significant hit. Uh, but I believe that Bora was the right choice, and I think it panned out that he was. Uh, Bora really was a Picasso of coaching soccer. Uh, the other was the negotiations with the women's uh, national team, uh, which in retrospect... Uh, a lot of the difficulties I attribute to myself because I had a very pater- wrongly paternalistic approach to it. You know, well, it had the attitude, well, look at what the Federation's done for you. Nobody nobody asked you for any money when you were playing for the under-17 team. Uh, and now that you're, you've won a World Cup, uh, you don't care about the Federation at all. And I thought that was just uh, not a right thing, but I got too emotionally involved. So I, I think that uh, that was a significant challenge. And I know that Dan Flynn has uh, gone through a similar challenge most recently. But this is the nature of growth. You know, every, every sport organization in the world has gone through this and will continue to. Hank, one of the things uh, you know is you can't be a part of great success without great people around you and a great sort of family support. And turning that back, your family is pretty special indeed. You're so proud of your boys. Uh, Give us a snapshot of why you're so proud of them, because they're pretty successful. Well, I I think that uh, my wife and I, the, the bottom line here is my wife and I have loved each other for 46 years. And... Uh, I always felt that one of the most important things I could show my children was my love for their mom. Now, it sounds, you know, smushy and all that kind of stuff, but it's true. And I think consequently, while we, like every couple would argue, we had a a love-centered and a a love-happy family. Uh, And to me, there's a a significant word that... uh, I think it's the basis of all success, and that's called integrity. And what I tried to instill in my wife and still in our children was a sense of integrity, that uh, you do what you say you're going to do, you mean it, you work hard, and you try to be kind. Uh, 
and my two boys uh, took that that kind of philosophy and uh, one has become a commander in the Navy SEALs uh, he's been a Navy SEAL he's just recently out uh, but a Navy SEAL for his military career and my uh, younger son is in his final year of medical school at University of Arizona and will practice emergency room trauma so the, the good news also is that those are are contributing positions to our country and our society. And I have to say that my two boys are my heroes, that they are the kind of men that I wish I could grow up to be. And when a father can say that about his children, he's a happy man when he dies. So well said, and certainly uh, all of us that uh, had the opportunity to be around you and work with you and uh, be touched by you and your motivational speeches as well, where certainly you make us happy all the time, Hank. And I, with that, I feel like we got to share that uh, sort of kind of happy note as we talked about the donut story. I'll try to say it quickly, and then you end it uh, with the capper. But uh, I'm a young press officer. I was first in Colorado Springs and just got out there, and they said, hey, we're moving to Chicago, and but you're going to the Olympics. But then when you come back got some work to do and I came back and then we hired Jim Froslett who also was a press officer for the U.S. soccer team after I left to go to Major League Soccer but during our time in Chicago we became two peas in a pod and um, you know pretty entrepreneur I would say we decided we were going to a Bears game and I think you might even help us get the Bears tickets full circle by the way and we're like all right we're going to park at the U.S. soccer house and so we're, we parked the car there and we're walking out and all of a sudden somebody says hey to Jim Froslett you know can we park here and Froslett looks at me I look at him and next thing you know we are out there with uh, you know our arms in the air hustling people into the U.S. soccer house parking lot 10 20 bucks I mean whatever we felt like was the right price uh, depending on what the look on their face was next thing you know we got it all jammed in there and there's one more car that comes strolling in it was a nice car and the window rolls down and it's Hank Steinbrush and I'll let you take it from there uh, well now it's a dilemma uh, I've got two really sharp uh, employees <laughs> that are collecting money at our <laughs> gates for people to park. Uh, now, that's probably a fireable offense. And and you could see from the look on their face the shock at having me ride up. And I'm sure in the back of their mind saying, okay, my, my, ten, my brief tenure <laughs> at U.S. soccer is over. Uh, so I ruminated about it for 30 seconds, and I called them over to the car. I said, Get, come over here. <laughs> and they were, they were scared. And I said, uh, boys, I appreciate your entrepreneurial spirit. But from now on, the donuts are on you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. We bought donuts for weeks, actually. So, <laughs> and we still we shook at our shoes for a little while as well. And, but we were able to keep two stellar employees who have gone on to great things in their life. All right, outstanding. Finally, remind everybody as well: you are going to be a presenting speaker at the 2017 convention in Philadelphia, the United Soccer Coaches Convention, the first time. We'll officially call it that. I'm not sure if you know what day you're doing it yet, but tell us the topic yeah, one Friday. more time. Okay, Friday. Friday, but I don't have the time. All right, so it's Friday. Give us the topic one more time. For country and club. 
for country and club. And when Hank Steinbrecher talks about country and club, it's like Eve Hutton. You want to listen. One of the best speakers <laughs> I've ever seen at any time. And uh, boy, Hank, what a, I mean, just great storytelling and, uh, you know, looking at the past and as we look to the future as well with the new name. Really enjoyed it, Hank. I have a big smile on my face. I'm all dimples right now and white. You know, teeth. you're great, buddy. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Hank Steinbrecher. Career and I take pride in it. Well, I, I thank you so much, Hank. And uh, we'll see you in Philadelphia. And thanks for being Glad a part of there. the United Soccer Coaches podcast. You got it, buddy. Okay, there it is. Hank Steinbrecher, U.S. Soccer Secretary General from 1990 to 2010. Incredibly important years for the growth of soccer in this country. Got to love his Gatorade story as well. The man has so many incredible stories. You do not want to miss his presentation at the 2017 United Soccer Coaches Convention. It's open. You can sign up to go right now. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org, hit convention, and get going. All right, one more guest to come. Another member of our incredible United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 program as we visit next with Alex Hargrove, the head coach of the Salisbury Seagulls in Maryland, the D3 men's program who played under United Soccer Coaches favorite Jerry DiBartolo and now works for him as Jerry DiBartolo is the AD. Alex Hargrove coming up next as a member of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. The NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. We help you develop into better coaches so you can develop better players. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join today. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I am Dean Linky, and if you've been listening the last several weeks, you know my favorite part of the program is getting to know another member of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30. 15 amazing men and women under the age of 30 that are living their dream, promoting soccer through their passion and love of the game and doing big things. And as we continue to go through the list, we're running into more head coaches. It's pretty incredible, these Young people that are under 30 years old that are head coaches at universities. And uh, that's another one today. Alex Hargrove in his second year as the head coach of Salisbury University D3 school in Salisbury, Maryland, where he spent almost half his life there. And he's not even 30 years old. But you think about it at 18 years old, he played for the Seagulls. He stuck around as a grad assistant, was an assistant coach while working some other jobs. And now in the second year as being the top man where he went to school and he joins me now. Alex Hargrove, pleasure to have you on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Dean, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, d- definitely. And, and you clearly love Salisbury University, right? So let's, let's go back to your high school days. Tell us where you went to high school and when you said, hey, I'm going to Salisbury. Was it a last-minute decision? Did you always know? And then we'll get to the fact that you clearly fell in love with this university. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, from northeastern Pennsylvania, so I'm from the Scranton area originally. And, uh, you know, I knew that I just, when I was looking at schools, I wanted to get away from the snow. So I was looking at Maryland and South. 
Uh, I had an older brother who played out of school in our conference. Uh, so through those years, I became familiar with Salisbury University and uh, got a chance to see him play a number of times and really appreciated uh, the coaching staff and the players. And uh, from the first visit, uh, you know, it was pretty clear that this was going to be the right fit for me. Uh, back then, I didn't know it was going to be the right fit for me for uh, the long haul, uh, but certainly it's uh, you know been great the way it's worked out so far. For some of our legacy members of the United Soccer Coaches, they'll know right away that part of the reason it was such a great fit was because your head coach was Jerry DiBartolo, who has done everything for the United Soccer Coaches. You know, you say that name, and if you're in the United Soccer Coaches circle, you recognize it. So clearly he was a key part of you going to Salisbury. Talk about what it was like playing for him first. The reality of it is, is you know, he's created through through his long tenure here uh, a pretty special program, uh, in just terms of the, the family atmos- aspect and, and atmosphere. And uh, you know, he's got uh, you know, we've got alumni going back thirty plus years that are all connected to, to the same guy and the same way of playing the game and uh, the same love for the game. So uh, playing for him was, was fantastic. You know, obviously, I learned a, a lot as a player through those four years, and uh, learned even more as an assistant coach under him for the next six. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, it's special having an opportunity to not only play for a guy with uh, the history he's had, but then obviously to be able to coach alongside him. Uh, and now, uh, still, he serves as uh, our athletic director here at Salisbury University. So uh, in one way or another, he's still my boss. Try to think for me, if you can, Alex. You know, you, you start uh, playing for him. Was it him saying to you, you know what, you could be a coach? Are you saying to him, you know what, I could be a coach? How did that all break down? I think through my playing years, somewhere around my end of my junior year, I think I started the conversation with him about uh, the opportunity to, to take the grad assistant role. Uh, you know, I knew I was always wanted to get into coaching, and it was a great opportunity to uh, pursue a master's degree, and I think he was pretty open to it. Um, so that kind of started the, the conversation, and, uh, you know, to be honest, once I finished my master's, uh, he was very helpful in, in helping me find some other job opportunities around here that would allow me to, you know, continue to stay on as an assistant. Uh, and uh, so as time went on, he did a pretty good job of uh, making sure I was able to stay around and continue to help him out and obviously continue to help the program out. Well, he certainly liked what he saw in you as a player. You played in 81 games, started 64. You had 21 goals, nine assists while wearing the maroon and gold. You were twice named to the all-CAC first team. Your senior season, you were named to the second team of the United Soccer Coaches all-region team. So certainly that name and previously the NSCAA rings a bell to you as well. Then you were an assistant coach, as you said, for six years after uh, also spending time as a grad assistant. And, you know, here you are only 29, but you told me that, uh, in fact, yeah, Coach DiBartolo helped you, but clearly you had to have the wherewithal. You had to have the gumption to go out and get these other jobs. I think you were an AD, actually an athletic director in your 20s, is that right? Uh, yeah, there is a uh, St. Francis de Sales Catholic School, which is a pre-K through 8, uh, actually, school. Yeah. I served as a PE teacher and athletic director there part-time. Uh, which allowed me to still teach some courses in the exercise and science department at Salisbury. And I think in, in that one or two years, I think I technically had about four or five job titles as I was doing as much as I could to develop as a professional and, and just really make sure that I was able to continue help uh, Coach DiBartolo and help the program as, as that was, you know, the long-term play was having an opportunity to, you know, just be full-time at the university in some capacity. All right, so Alex, take us behind the curtain, right? So Jerry Bartolo, if you know him, you know he could probably still be coaching if he wanted to, right? Uh, still uh, has got that bright mind and a great soccer mind as well. When did he come to you and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to hang it up, 
couple years, you know, and, and I want you to be the coach? Was it a tough process? Well, you know, break it down for us. You know, uh, obviously when somebody's been coaching for, for a long number of years, uh, they get that question a lot of times about, you know, how many more years you got. And so uh, out on the recruiting trail, you know, I'd, I'd hear him catch that question a lot. And it wasn't until about 2015, uh, and I think it was uh, after a tournament, we were sitting around and he kind of gave his, his first indication that it might be getting near. Um, and uh, going in then to his, his final season in 2015, I think myself and his wife were the only two that uh, knew that would be his last season. Um, but certainly Salisbury University being a public institution, uh, you know, it was a nationwide open search. Putting myself in the, the situation to have an opportunity to apply was one battle. Uh, you know, obviously there's a, a job like this. There's a number of great candidates, and it was a very rigorous interview process, uh, I must say. Um, and I was just, uh, you know, fortunate that, that my love and passion for this university, uh, you know, was kind of able to uh, show through. Uh, as I know, I was up against some pretty qualified candidates. Do you remember anything special about getting that call or meeting him in person where you got the handshake? What do you remember about the final indication that you got the top job? Yeah, well, it's kind of funny. You know, through that time period, I was technically serving as a full-time assistant as Coach DiBartolo was in the athletic director role. So I was technically sitting in my office on campus still fulfilling my, uh, you know, assistant coaching position uh, at the time I got the call. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was pretty funny. Just said, hey, can you come down to my office? Uh, and sure enough, I was able to sit down and, you know, she was able to offer me the position there. So uh, obviously it was a nerve-wracking walk uh, down the hallway to the office because, you know, I had no idea which, uh, which way that conversation was going to go. But uh, it was a, a great relief walking out of there. All right, so we told the story. You played there. You're assistant coach. Now you're the top man. You grew up not too far away in Pennsylvania. I mean, I always ask uh, all the members where they want to be in five years. I mean, I feel like you might be home. I don't know that for sure, but, I mean, it's clearly this university means a lot to you, Coach. Yeah, you know, like I said, when I got the, the job, I said, hey, man, you know, I landed my dream job at 27, which is technically how old I was when I stepped in. And, uh, you know, the, just the, the university itself, from, from the administration at the very top, uh, the president, and all the way down to our athletic administrative administration, it's just uh, it's a, a great place to be. You know, it, there's great support for the athletic programs here. Uh, you know, we've had a ton of updates and renovations to our athletic facilities, and uh, as they finally get completed towards the end of this uh, spring, you know, we've got some of the top facilities in Division Three uh, across the country. Uh, you know, so there's just a lot of good things happening here, and, you know, if you ask me where I want to be five years from now, it's, uh, you know, going to be right here and hopefully uh, leading this program uh, back to uh, some of the highest heights it's experienced, uh, you know, through the early and mid-2000s. Well, one of the ways you're going to be able to do that clearly is getting more education. You obviously saw the value in that through the United Soccer Coaches and specifically through this 30 under 30 program where you'll get a lot of unique opportunities, Coach. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is the second time I had applied for this. And, you know, like I said, from an education standpoint, while I may be a head coach, there's, there's still a lot to be learned. So, you know, that's an everyday process. And this is just, you know, providing another outlet, uh, not only to go through the formal education process, but then just the networking opportunities uh, it'll provide, uh, you know, to, to connect with other coaches from around the country and in different situations. And, you know, it's just a tremendous opportunity for, for personal growth and then, you know, hopefully these can translate back to both the university uh, as well as, you know, the, the youth soccer work that I do in the community here. 
Well done, you. Love loyalty, right? And you're clearly demonstrating it and love uh, what uh, Coach DiBartolo has also meant to the association and sounds like you're going to continue it as well. I'm guessing the United Soccer Coaches at the convention is going to be a part of uh, your life for a long, long time. Yeah, sure is. And I'm looking forward to being back and uh, looking forward to having it back on the East Coast this year, too. All right, Coach, congratulations on being a member of the 30 Under 30. Good luck with the Seagulls, and thanks for being with us on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Great. Thanks for having me, Dean. And thanks to Hank Steinbrecher, our featured guest here on today's United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Of course, Hank Steinbrecher will be a featured presenter at the 2017 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. I want to thank all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches, Sean Chevro, Ashley Goodrich, Kurt Austin, Lynn Burling-Manuel, the CEO, Rob Kehoe, Jeff Van Dusen, Ian Barker. The list is endless. Great people, great leaders, and good friends to all of you here. For everybody at the United Soccer Coaches, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week when we dive back into the college soccer scene. It's heating up, folks. You're going to enjoy it. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com United. The NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free no-risk trial membership today. Go to United. UnitedSoccerCoaches.org slash join.